So I get on the phone and then they say, this is the Oprah show and you're being considered for one of two shows. One is the big Christmas show and another one is a show on great gifts. So I was like, I can't even believe that this is happening right now. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by MainBiz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we'll post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. Welcome, Maine Biz listeners. I'm Andrea Tetzlaff with the Maine Biz podcast team, talking today with Amy Bouchard of Wicked Whoopies. Whoopie pies are a main staple. They're two domes of delicious cake, sandwiching sweet, creamy, frosting-like filling. Amy started making whoopie pies in her family kitchen as a child. As she grew up and started making them for gifts for her friends and family, people were telling her she needed to sell them. With no business experience and armed with her local yellow pages, she started making the rounds to see who would be interested in buying these sweet treats. Within a few years of opening her commercial space, a chance encounter with a vacationing producer from the Oprah show led to Wicked Whoopies being featured on Oprah's favorite things list. And things just took off from there. We're gonna talk with Amy about what it was like to navigate the unexpected boon in her business, what went wrong, what went right, and what her new goals for the company are now that even Oprah knows who she is. Amy, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm interested to get right into kind of a little bit of the history of the company. When did, when did you start the business and what really inspired you to start Wicked Whoopies? Gosh, it was over 27 years ago. 27 years ago, this last March, as a stay-at-home mom, I started baking and selling my whoopie pies because I had worked at BIW and uh, I wanted to be able to stay home with the kids, but I also wanted to, I really needed to earn an income. And my brother had told me, you know, you really ought to sell your whoopie pies. And I thought, well, that's crazy because who's who's selling whoopie pies, you know, I mean, there were mom and pop stores and uh, little bakeries that were selling, obviously the whoopie pie, because it is our, you know, it is our loved treat, you know, here in the state of Maine. But I thought about it and I love to bake and I had been making whoopie pies for so many years, ever since I was a kid. And I thought, well, that's kind of a neat idea. So I started exploring the idea and got my license to uh, bake out of my house and then I just started going to all, well, I started looking in the phone book back in the day when we had <laughs> phone books and tried and, and just mapped out like a few stores that I could contact and see if they'd be interested in buying my whoopie pies. And I was lucky there was one store in Augusta, the college carryout, Lou, they call him crazy Lou. He's still <laughs> the owner of college carryout. And I called him up and I thought, 
wow, you know, the store is called College Carryout, so it must be right next to a college. And I was thinking all these college kids would buy my whoopie pies and it really wasn't right next to a college, but I went there and he said, yeah, you know, come by and, you know, I'll try out your whoopie pies. And he loved them and he bought some. And by the time I got home, he was already sold out. So he called me up and he's like, you need to come back and give me some more whoopie pies. And I was, I couldn't even believe it. So then I thought, well, you know, I think I have something here. And, um, and then one store led to another and, I just started mapping out like a little route that I could take. So I would bake out of the house for like four or five days. And then I would go out on the road for a couple of days and make my deliveries. As you were going through the phone book and bringing your product to the the, the local stores in the Augusta area, did you have an, a chance to kind of think about what success would look for you, look like for you or what your dream for what Wicked Whoopies could become would be? At the beginning, no, I I just wanted to be out there selling my whoopie pies and making people happy with it. I it wasn't and, and for me it wasn't about like getting rich off the whoopie pies or anything like that. It was like every time I made twelve dollars, I could not believe somebody would give me their money <laughs> for my product. It just blew my mind. So I I was happy every time I got twelve bucks, and every time I got twelve bucks. I would put it in the pot and then and make more. Like, I'm making all <laughs> kinds of money. And, you know, and I wasn't. And so really, I think for the first few years when I started this, I look back and I think I'm just giving Mainers a gift. Like I'm just your baker. And, you know, and I wasn't making money. I was making people happy. And I mean, I was buying my my supplies at um, actually at Hannaford. And I just go in there and buy like, you know, little bags of sugar and all that. But I was buying tons and tons and tons of it. And then I realized, you know, I really have to start buying this stuff in bulk. And we ended up getting, it wasn't Sam's Club, but it was like another, like a BJ's or something like that, that we finally in Maine got like a warehouse type. Like a bulk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like a, yeah. And so I started then buying, you know, things like in 50 pound bags and I couldn't even believe I was buying like a 50 pound bag of sugar and and all that. And so then that's, I'm going to say it took me probably two years before um, I realized I needed to make some changes. And when I was baking out of the house, it was just exploding and it was taking over my house. So I needed to make some big decisions. Do I want to continue doing this? And if I do, I have to move out of the house because there was no more room to grow and it was just taking over everything. So right before I moved out of the house, I made the decision to turn my den into my my bakery, which was, I would say, probably an eight by six square room. I mean, it was like a, a big oversized closet. That's all it was. And it just, I put two commercial uh, ovens in there and I probably had maybe 15 inches of wiggle space to in between everything I had to do. Not an ideal production space happening. No, not at all. And, And then my dining room was my packaging room. And I just remember putting my table up on blocks so that I could wrap the whoopie pies and stuff. And then after doing that for a couple of years in the house, then I moved to a commercial space and And then I felt like really it was starting a whole new business all over again. When you go from home manufacturing or any kind of a small home business, and then you move out, it's like a whole different ball game and and starting over again. So when was that? When did you move into your first Um, commercial space? 1994, I started. So in 1996, I moved out of the house. Wow. And I imagine it. 
was it around then or was it before then that you realized like this, this could be a sustainable business? Definitely before I moved out of the house because it just was exploding and, and stores were calling me up and saying that we were out, but they also, what the real thing for me was when customers were figuring out when, when my route was and they would be waiting, like they'd know <laughs> like, oh, she's going to be going to Al's pizza at one in the afternoon. Cause I never would go like right at lunchtime. I'd always make, wait and go after the morning rush or after the lunch rush and customers were starting to figure that out. And of course my daughter at the time was only two years old. So I would just like throw her under one arm and then I had a basket of whoopies in the other arm. When you moved into that commercial space, give me a feel for the size of the business. Did you have employees at that point? How many products were you making in a day? I assume you were mostly retail as opposed to wholesale at that point. Kind of give me a feel for what the the size of the business was. At the beginning, we were all wholesale. We weren't retail. So that was an old, uh, bait and tackle business that um this in richmond and the gentleman was going to sell the the building so when he found out that i was looking for commercial space he let me have the building for a really great price gave me a really great break on it he charged me only 500 dollars a month i only at that time had one employee she was the lady that worked next door at the store there was a gas station next door so she worked part part of the day over there and then part of the day over with me And then that one employee led to obviously a couple more. And the crazy part was their names were Mary, Jerry, and Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, when I got like three to five employees, it it really started to take off more because at the time when I first moved there, I would start my mornings at 3.30 in the morning and I would be by myself. So I was doing the bake by myself and um, doing all of the distribution and all of that. So it was crazy. And, um, but also, you know, rewarding. (laughs) Yeah. Did you, did you get financing to help you expand or did you work with any of the local organizations to kind of help you with your growth strategy? Yes, I did start with, um, I worked with Coastal Enterprise the SBA and fame. Mm -hmm. And I got through Coastal Enterprise and actually, and I worked a little bit with SCORE also, and Coastal Enterprise really did a lot of counseling with me, like Bob Chiozzi, a man that worked over there for many, many years, and maybe he's still there, was great. He gave me so much business advice. He was the first person that said, you need to get a business loan, and which I knew I did, but also at the same time, it was very scary. And I can't remember. I, well, the very, very first year I did this, I only made $1,900. And so I thought that was amazing. And then the second year I made maybe, I think it was about 24,000. And I thought that I had died and gone to heaven. (laughs) And, but, and every single year it would grow and grow and grow. And, you know, I just remember him saying, you know, you need equipment you need to have working capital and a lot of the stuff that I had no idea I didn't know what working capital was Um, and so thank goodness you know I was able to get a lot of counseling with him he helped me write a really good business plan so you you're you are expanding your business you're you're growing year over year things are going really well and then you get the call from Oprah Winfrey that you're going to be on her Oprah's favorite things list which yes Oprah, you know, the Oprah show doesn't exist today, but back then that was a huge, a huge deal for any product to be featured on that. So 
give us a walkthrough a little bit of what is that like? Do you, you know, do you apply as being something that's on that? Do they find you? What, what's that whole process like? Well, what happened, it was back in 2003. And in 2003, I, because we were doing all, so I'm going to kind of little back up a tiny bit. Yeah. And so in 2003, I'm in the commercial bakery and we're baking, baking, baking for wholesale. So then I thought, you know, a lot of people have donut shops and cupcake shops. Why can't I just have a, a whoopie pie shop? So I started exploring the idea and looking at some retail space. And there was a very small um, space of like, I think it was like 500 square feet. And it was actually a newspaper was being, um, it was an old newspaper office for the Coastal Journal in, uh, in Gardner. And I looked at that space and I thought that would be such a cute whoopie pie shop. So I ended up, I, I rented that space and turned it into a, the cutest little whimsy shop and started selling the whoopies. So that was in June of 2003. At the very end of June, I opened up the shop. And about a week later, I'm at the commercial bakery and I'm, I'm baking, baking, baking. And then the phone rings and the person that had answered it said, uh, you need to come to the phone right now. This is the Oprah show. So I get on the phone and then they say, this is the Oprah show. And you're being considered for one of two uh, shows. One is the big Christmas show. And another one is a show on great gifts. So I was like, I can't even believe that this is happening right now. And in getting back to the whole part of me opening the shop in June, the person goes to explain to me that Adam Glassman, the creative director of the Oprah magazine, who is Oprah's right-hand man and, and helps her pretty much with everything, um, had come to Maine, had the Whoopie Pies, completely fell in love with them. And my understanding is that had gone to the Wicked Whoopie shop in Gardner. So I was like, oh my word, I can't even believe this. So I'm on the phone and I'm acting all cool. Like, oh yeah, this call, this calls happen all the time. You know, I don't want to act like I'm overly excited or anything. So I was like, oh yeah, yeah, not, not a problem. We'll send the whoopie pies because they wanted us to send the whoopie pies uh, so they could try them. So I get off the phone and I had never in my entire life ever shipped a whoopie pie. I didn't even ship hardly anything in my whole life and through the mail. So I was like, oh my gosh, I really got to figure this out. So um, I got some nice boxes and I, I, you know, I thought, well, if I do this, I only can do the classic whoopie pie. I don't want to get in over my head because at the time we were making close to 20 different flavors. So I thought, and I didn't even have a website. There was no website um, at all. And so I immediately, I, I contact, actually it was my landlord of the, of the building I was renting. I just kind of got word that he had um, dabbled in some website development or whatever. So I'm like, can you just throw something up on the internet? And of course, I didn't even really know what the internet was either, just to be quite honest. <laughs> so he, you know, uh, takes a picture of the outside of the bake shop. We throw something up online on the internet, like that's super fast and, you know, um, and then only showed the one whoopie pie, the classic whoopie pie. So I ship the whoopie pies off to the show and I'm thinking if they want the whoopie pies, then I will ship more for beautiful whoopie pies that will be featured on the show and blah, blah, blah. So then I get a call a couple of days later that they love the whoopie pies and they were like, yep, you're on the show. The show was uh, aired 
gosh, it was back in November of 2003. So it actually looked like we were, you know, on her, when she put us up on her website, it looked like we were a part of the great big holiday show. And she kept us on the website actually every holiday season for like four or five seasons. It was insane where we just get this explosion of orders. Yeah, so. So that was perfect timing of opening your storefront and having somebody from the Oprah show just kind of show up and it changed everything. That changed mail orders. That's what, that's how I ended up doing mail orders and shipping whoopies through the mail. Um, And I I just, looking back, I, I can't, I can't believe how great it was. Well, so let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about what making the list did for you. Kind of some of those, you know, changes that you had to make operationally. I assume with packaging, you're talking about mail orders, all of that fun stuff. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and hear more from Amy about what making Oprah's list meant for Wicked Whoopies. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it, a story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank and may lose value. I also think that when you own a business and you really do believe in your product, that you have to give it 150% first and then hope that you do surround yourself with good people. We are back with Amy, founder of Wicked Whoopies, talking about what it was like to make Oprah's favorite things list. And so you're getting these calls from people saying, you better get ready, Amy. Did you have any idea what this was going to mean for your business on kind of that large scope? Well, I was so appreciative. I was so shocked and surprised because at the time, I don't think that there were any other businesses that were featured on the Oprah show. And I I mean, maybe there were, but in in Maine, I I mean, in Maine, I was being a small Maine business. And I'm telling you a tiny little Maine business. I, I, it was so flattering and exciting and i was excited not just obviously for us as a as a business i was just excited for really for maine i felt like maine was being featured you know on the oprah show but i and and go and looking back i will say because you do learn a lot obviously from um your mistakes or or your even your accomplishments if you could have done something differently and what i would have definitely done differently is we were featured as is a Mac Snacks. So my company name is Is a Mac Snacks, and I named the business after my kids, Isabella and Max. Well, I was always pushing, you know, the company name, but I really should have been pushing my brand, Wicked Whoopies. And I never thought that way because Is a Max is very hard to pronounce. It's not catchy, and you don't ever remember it. And so back then, it was it was really being featured as Is a Mac Snacks. So. I feel there was a little bit of a missed opportunity there, you know, as kind of a disconnect between what the company was as opposed to what the product was. Yes. And I think that if I had known what I know now and pushed the Wicked Whippy brand, it would have been even more of an explosion because I feel that even now, if you were to look for 
wicked whoopies on the Oprah show, it would be really difficult. But if you, but if you looked up is a Max Max, which really nobody's going to do that. So, but let me tell you, I mean, so happy and and appreciative because it did open the door for mail orders. And so you, you were talking about your website was kind of put together by your landlord who was dabbling in it. Were you able to add that kind of e-commerce portion to your website to be able to keep up with it? It sounds like that must have been kind of one of the adjustments that the the benefit of being on the show had for you. What other um, considerations did you have to, to take into account for? That little website was good for like one year. And all we did was just sell just the classic whoopie pie. And then we realized because we were so busy from the Oprah show and that that one whoopie pie and the fact that that website was just like thrown together. I I knew that we obviously needed to build a really good website. Was the secret getting out that you had more than just the classic chocolate? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so then I went to, I worked with uh, some people that knew some good photographers in Portland and I took all my whoopie pies to Portland. We had photo shoots with the whoopie pies and were able to put some really um, nice images of all different kinds of flavors on a website. And I worked with some web guys that knew what they were doing. And clearly I had no idea. I still don't understand websites and all of that. (laughs) But we ended up getting an e-commerce award like the year after our uh, website was built. And it's one of the same awards that LL Beans actually had won for their website. So that was awesome. And we we worked with some really, really smart, really good people. That sounds like you surrounded yourself with some really smart people there. Yes, I I absolutely had had to, just like today, I still have to. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that episode airs, was was it an immediate impact on the business? Did you see just like that kind of just skyrocketing orders and, and things that you had to be taken care of immediately? Tell me what that day after or day of was like for you guys. Yes, it, it was a huge explosion. And as, as much as we thought we were prepared, you can never really be 100% prepared for that. So it took us probably about a month. I mean, not, I was so happy that every order was shipped before Christmas. So that was awesome. But also it was a very overwhelming time too, because we were featured on the Oprah show, which also meant that, you know, a lot of people here, you know, like in Maine, they wanted the whoopie pies and, and the little bake shop was exploding. And really at the time, I only had a handful of employees and that, you know, was difficult at times also. And, and then, but it totally opened the door for other things, which let me tell you, like, um, like what, like, Oh, the associated press. Oh my word. Let me tell you. So the, so we probably go through, it's a very fall. It's the following year, like say nine months later, the um, Associated Press contacted me and they said, we really love to do a story on you. And can we come out to the, your bakery and meet you? And, and so when the Associated Press said, oh, I'll do a story, I'm thinking Times Record, Portland Press Herald, you know, that's what I'm thinking. No problem. You know, that's fine. So she, the lady comes out and 
meets with me and she's all excited. She's like, oh yes, this is going to be a great story. And I'm going to, if, if it's all right, I'll come back with a photographer. And I said, okay, not a problem. So she comes back like the week later and now we're getting close to like Thanksgiving and the holidays and she, they do this big story and then she leaves. And I said, oh, so um, I asked her questions like, so when is the story gonna you know, come out? And she's looking at me like, I'm probably crazy. Like she probably can't believe that I don't understand what's going on. And she's like, you know, I'm not supposed to tell you this but if I could invest in your company right now, I would. Wow. And I was like, really? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Well, when the story finally does come out, it was actually Christmas Eve of, gosh, whatever year it had, 24 years ago. And I, so I go to, I fall asleep on my couch at home. Something tells me it was like one o'clock in the morning. I get up off the couch. I don't know why I went on the internet and I, I was shaking. I couldn't believe it. We were in over 1800 publications at the time. It wow. was Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, it was CNN. It was everything. USA Today. I was like, what is happening? Oh, my word. I, it, I was shaking. I couldn't even believe it. So then the next morning, so I don't even know how I went back to sleep, but the phone rings at eight o'clock in the morning and it, it my answering machine picks up because at the time everybody still had those answering <laughs> machines. And, it, and the machine says, you know, um, this is uh, Good Morning America and we're looking for Amy. And I'm like, what is happening so then I pick up the phone and I'm like here I am and this is back when Charlie Gibson was hosting Good Morning America yep and they were like you know we just saw this story and can we have an exclusive with you and I'm like okay and at the time though Christmas was on Sunday. So everything was shut down on that Monday. Nothing was open. UPS wasn't running or anything like that. And they really needed um, whoopie pies. They wanted to have them on the show the very next morning. So long story short, they send out um, a carrier from Portland, a van to grab just a couple dozen whoopie pies. So I run to the bakery, get them a couple dozen whoopie pies. They fly them to New York City so that they're on the Good Morning America show the next morning. I had to call all my employees because they had the day off. I had to beg them to please come to work. And we needed, and then they sent a satellite van from Boston to come out to uh, the bakery. And I got to tell you, that was so crazy. We, because the Oprah show was insane. And, but then Good Morning America just exploded things even more to a whole other level. It, it, it took us about, I'd say three months by the, we, we had so many orders come into the bakery. It took us about three months to fill those orders. Wow. And still, I just, to this day, I cannot believe that I did not know what the Associated Press was. <laughs> it sounds like this was about a year of some really great national coverage for you. Yes. I'm curious, you know, as a business owner, was there a point where I, I, I imagine there must have been this fear of, of, can we handle this? Can I do this? What if I fail? Did you have those thoughts? Oh, yes. Literally put every single box together for the Oprah show. Um, I would, I, I, I did a lot of that myself because I wasn't going to let this fail. And I also felt that these are such huge opportunities that 
for such a tiny little small business. And I think that people would be so shocked if they saw really how tiny and how much product was coming out of a tiny little space. It was very shocking. I'm sure that a lot of people would be surprised, but it, I also think that when you own a business and you really do believe in your product, that you have to give it 150%, um, you know, first, and then, and then hope that you do surround yourself with good people. And where does the company stand today? How many employees do you have? I know you guys have that, have a retail location in Freeport. Give me a feel for kind of the size of the company today. How many, how many products you put out today? And then also we talked earlier about in the beginning, you were mostly wholesale versus retail. What percentage of your business is retail versus wholesale? Today, we have uh, 25 to 30 employees, um, closer to 30 right now. Uh, the Freeport shop has about five employees. And then we have our little um, Farmingdale shop, which has just uh, two employees. That's more uh, supported by the community. And then, of course, the Freeport shop has got all the tourists that, that sure. come to Maine. And it's across the street from L.L. Beans. And then we have our commercial bakery here in Gardner, which is an uh, old shoe mill, which we have over 18,000 square feet here. So that's great. Um, You've come a long way from yes. the bait and tackle shop. <laughs> that's right. We sure have. Thank goodness. And we are much more automated here at the commercial bakery. We're still not fully automated. We still do a lot of stuff the old-fashioned way with our hands. And as far as the wholesale, wholesale is definitely the biggest part of our business. I'm going to say that's probably about 65%, mm -hmm. 65 to 70. And then it's almost an equal between the shops and the internet. It depends on what time of year it is. Um, in the summertime, the internet sales slow down because it's it's much more hot everybody's out and about and then the shops are going really well because of all the tourists that come and visit us and then during the holiday seasons or off season the internet sales tend to go up and right now like our product line we have over 20 flavors of the of, i say their original size would be probably like the regular size the one that's shareable the one that people are most familiar with yes yeah, and yeah. then um, we have what we call our mini or our junior size. That's the smaller whoopie pie. And we do that probably in definitely in about 15 flavors. Those are much more time consuming to make because they're smaller. So in the shops, we usually tend to only carry maybe five or six uh, flavors at a time on the little ones. And then we rotate those out. And then we do business with LL Beans, which every single year tends to grow, which is awesome. And, you know, and still to this day, I every single year pinch myself. I can't believe that we're so lucky that we're in the LL Bean catalog for the holidays. And, and I just can't believe I really honestly, I, I, every holiday season, I'm like, I can't believe I started these out of my house. And now we're selling to LL Beans and all the customers all across the country that order with them. And how many, what's your total quantity of product that you make in a year? I can tell you it's over 10,000 a day right now. Wow. So, yeah, we do about 10,000 whoopie pies a day, however many of that is. That's, that's a big change yes. from carrying them around in a basket to <laughs> Joe's sure place in Augusta. <laughs> we, it sure is. Yep. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, let's take one more break and then we will come back with Amy and hear about some advice that she has for um, business owners that 
experience some kind of change in their business. Um, and we'll be right back with Amy. As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at Vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E.com. If I had to do it all over again, I'd do everything the same way because it got me to where I am today and it made me a smarter, better, wiser business person. But my biggest thing is if it doesn't feel right, never do it. Just don't do it. It has to feel right. We're back with Wicked Whoopi's president and owner, Amy Bouchard, talking to us about, you know, what it was like to get the call from Oprah um, and how that really kind of launched her Whoopie Pie business, in addition to some other national recognition that came her way. Amy, I'm curious. So obviously not everybody gets a call from Oprah, right? But business owners can certainly relate to, you know, something unexpected happening in their business, whether it was good or bad. And so I'm just, do you have any thoughts on when something like that happens, how do you as a business owner react? Kind of what's your first take on it to make sure that you can continue making the company be successful? Well, I feel that when you do get such a huge, big opportunity like that, whether, you know, your product's on Oprah or, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be featured like on the Food Network and some other big national exposure, I feel that you have to work actually 10 times harder. It's kind of like you've been given this huge opportunity you know, where your product, your brand gets this unbelievable, really marketing exposure. And I feel that it's like, if you, you get your, your way up there, like you just climbed a mountain and you're on, you're on top and you can fall very, very fast. And, and so if you don't take it seriously and, So I really believe that once you've been given those big opportunities, then you do have to work 10 times harder because people, you know, now, now we're in a position where, you know, people trust us, you know, we've gotten a lot of exposure. They like our brand. You have to maintain the quality. You have to really always know everything that's going on, like with, with packaging and ingredients and the market and pricing. And I feel that, even though we're still a very small company, it made me feel like, you know, now we're, we're a very small company with this massive amount of exposure, which normally any huge company would have had to pay like a million dollars for, you know, the kind of exposure that, that we've gotten. And we didn't have to pay for any of that. So now we have a huge responsibility to really take things seriously. I assume that you said no to some opportunities along the line. And so I'm curious, kind of, as a, again, as a business owner, how do you know when to say yes when these opportunities come your way? And how do you know when to say, we might not be ready for that yet, or I'm not sure if this is the right opportunity for us, to your point, to continue to keep our brand strong and make sure that we're coming to the market from a place of strength? I know that it was about probably 14 years ago. Actually, I was approached by Walmart. I was in the old bakery, which was obviously a lot smaller. And we were approached by Walmart. And 
I looked over the paper, which I was obviously very flattered, but at the same time, I'm like, first of all, there's no way. We just, we wouldn't be able to handle it. I didn't want to set us up for failure. And I also didn't know or feel that that was at the time the right fit for us. And, and so, and, and looking over the paperwork, it was really setting us up for failure. They had a lot of different restrictions and, you know, um, fines that you would have to pay if you ever made a mistake on paperwork. And I'm like, well, I'm not in the business of making mistakes, but we are human and we can make mistakes. And so at the time it just didn't feel right. And I'm glad that, you know, I stuck to the way I feel and did not pursue that. And also, you know, after you get like a lot of exposure, like the way that we did, certain people start knocking on your door saying that they can help you. And, you know, like, I'll help you get to the next level. And of course it all sounds great, but again, you have to be really careful because there are some, you know, businesses and people out there that, you know, want to take advantage of you. And I was a lot younger and I, of course, I did not go to school for business. I learned everything myself and I learned things backwards and the hard way, which I am actually happy that I did. But I also, you know, it, there was a few times things didn't feel right. And I went against my feeling of something not feeling right. And, um, and that was a process of, like I let somebody uh, work with me in the business that wasn't a good person. So, and again, that was a learning experience. And if I had to do it all over again, I do everything the same way because it got me to where I am today. And it made me a smarter, better, wiser uh, business person. But my biggest thing is if it doesn't feel right, never do it. Just don't do it. It has to feel right. That's really good advice. (laughs) And then finally, we talked earlier kind of about you know, what you envision that the business might eventually someday become kind of in your wildest dreams. And so do you feel like you've gotten beyond that now? And so now what are your, what's your revised vision for the company? What do you see yourselves doing now? Well, I definitely feel like, especially being in Maine and the majority of the business that we do is only still in New England, There's so many more opportunities out there. And, you know, we still have people all the time asking us to sell to markets in Texas and, you know, do more fairs. And there's so much opportunity out there that I still want to tap into. Like, like I trademarked Wicked Whoopie Wagon a few years ago and Maine's official treat is so much fun to eat. Sounds like (laughs) a great food cart to come to market. And that's right. And I feel like we could be a bake shop on wheels. That is definitely something that we're going to be doing. And also um, further the distribution so that really I want everybody on the planet to have a Wicked Whoopie and I want to make it available so that everybody on the planet can have a Wicked Whoopie. The Day That Changed Everything is a production of Maine Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other Maine Biz media products at mainebiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. The Maine Biz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedanka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.